back. This is The Back Porch. We've got co-host G. What's up, everybody? And your other co-host, Cruz Chavez. Man. All right. We've got a really good sermon today. Um, TJ spoke on the Church of Sardis. Um, it is still in Revelation chapter 3. Yep. Um, before we get started, you got anything you want to add? The school's coming up. You know, uh, everybody's starting to get going with it. Everybody, I think uh, Inola starts this upcoming week, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. Start this. Oh, start on Tuesday, man. We're gonna get back into the regular swing of things. It's a summer schedule. It's been a lot of fun, but now we're gonna get back into back the to the regular. roundup club. Yeah, bro. back to the roundup club, baby. Hey, it's always a good time over there. <laughs> um, but yesterday, what we did is that we just played a whole bunch of volleyball, man. When I got back, you know, we have it set up at Cruz's house, and uh, it's just a grass, a volleyball court. Works just the same. But, dude, whenever I got into the shower, it looked like I haven't showered in years. Holy cow. I felt bad because I have a water hose, and I was thinking (laughs) I could have had everyone wash their feet off. (laughs) Even though it's grass out there, I mean, I didn't realize how dirty your feet would get. All that dirt, and especially it didn't help with, like, all the grass that died and everything, and it just became dirt, and we're just... Running around. I looked at my feet in the middle of your sermon yesterday. I was like, oh, my gosh, my feet are just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go. Back yeah. on to Revelation 3. TJ uh, spoke. Uh, he preached over this Sunday, and it was over the Church of Sardis, which is, I think is the most interesting so far um, because, you know, I, I've been kind of lacking, but like doing a little bit more research with over this stuff. Uh, I don't know. I just had a little epiphany. I was like, man, there has to be a little bit more about these churches that uh, instead of just like what TJ preaches and man, right. There was a lot more, a lot There's of interesting so things, a lot of interesting things. Like one thing that I, uh, as a, as a guy who's been going to church for a while, but someone who has never really truly prepared a sermon and gone through the steps to prepare a sermon, I never realized the all the commentary that's out there. And if you just go back and you read, you know, commentary on certain things right now, I'm, I'm reading commentary on, on revelation, mm-hmm. um, a book called revelation unveiled and then, um, be victorious. Those are two different types. And there's just so much going on behind the scenes. Oh yeah. And I love it because it's like historical facts Mm-hmm. that Revelation doesn't necessarily talk about. But it's cool because Jesus obviously pinpoints the important things that he has to say. Oh, yeah. But then you go back to historical accounts, and, and you can go and look at a history book or go and look at someone else's interpretation or someone else's study, and it's like, okay, this is making more sense now. Oh, yeah. And it was like I watched a video of like actual Sardis, of like the architecture and everything, and dude, it looked crazy. Yeah, like you know, this is like for the first century churches, and it was like the architecture um, was just it was elaborate in mm-hmm. it, and the way that the structure—I don't know—it it looked crazy. Like you know, it, it had little like faces in the um, what is it called, the stands or the uh, posts, um, and those things. And I was like, man, this this city was like. It seemed rich and uh, it, yeah, the, yeah, and there's there actually was there's a lot of like it, this city was known for like being having a good amount of money um, and things like that and it, it was funny whenever I was uh, researching there was I forgot what town it was it was a town um, down the stream and there was this myth that uh, that there's this guy there was this king who uh, was like he wanted to be extremely rich and um, what. And he prayed to the gods. Um, he prayed to the gods that, hey, uh, make me super rich. So they made it to where, um, well, this is the mythology of it. Anything he touched to turn into gold. So it was like literally everything he drank, everything he ate. Like mm-hmm. he even touched, like he uh, like touched his daughter and his daughter turned into gold. So it was like he realized that this was a curse really. And so he went back to the gods, of course. And he was like, uh... I don't want this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is more of a curse more than anything. Uh, and so they're like, okay, just, wa- just wash the blessing or um, whatever it is off of you in the stream. So it was like as he was washing himself off, gold was like coming off of him. 
and that stream led to Sardis. Hmm. And which which is weird is that like there's a high uh, gold like high gold content hmm. in that. Uh, I think is either a river. I think it is a river. Uh, it was in that stream. Hmm. So it was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Just learning about all this. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, based on what I what I wrote read about, um, and this is in Revelation Unveiled. Um, that he talks about the writer of this, of this book talks about how Sardis, the, uh, the capital city of Lydia, was prominent in Asia Minor, uh, noted for its carpet industry. Mm. Carpet industry. <laughs> the carpet industry is huge. It's booming. It was a wealthy city that was finally destroyed by an earthquake. Hmm. I did not know that part. Those of are that. two two in, two <laughs> way different off topic <laughs> things here. Yeah, I would have never guessed. A cart, like you know, carpet. You can make tons of money, yeah, and much less an earthquake. Man, have you seen like, everything. how much carpets can actually go for? Like those nice ones. Oh yeah, some of those imported nuts, carpets, dude. It's nuts. Yeah. I could definitely see how you like a a place can um, make their economy from that. Just but, from that alone. Yeah, just from that alone, because it's like nuts. Um, but let's go ahead. Do you have anything else before we get started? No. Um, let's go ahead and, and get going. So this is uh, the, to the church of Sardis. Yes. Uh, I'll, you want me to read? Go yeah, ahead and read. Yeah, go okay. ahead. I'm going to read verses 1, uh, starting in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it says, uh, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know uh, at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's a lot going on in there. There's like a lot always. going on there. Like always, there is a lot going on there. I think what's there. crazy, and this is like bad, you know it's bad news. Mm-hmm. All right, there's already, you, when you get a letter from Jesus, and I'm assuming at this point you've already been hearing there are these letters being sent out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm actually kind of curious, were all these letters sent out at the same time? Mm. Were they sent out one by one? Um, but just just let's just pretend Right now, that the letters were sent out one by one. Yeah, and this is the one of the. This wasn't one of the first letters to to be sent out. So you're seeing and hearing about what's going on at these other churches. Oh man, Jesus just sent a letter, you know, to this church, and it was written by John. I wonder if we're going to get a letter. Yeah, just and they, sitting, wait patiently, waiting. And, and they and they get their letter, and it's filled with bad news. Yeah, from the very beginning. Like, filled with bad news, and uh, TJ pointed this out. He says on the other on the other letters, you saw that there were something good that Jesus had to say yep. about each of these churches. About it. something in the letters, it started off with with something good. Mm-hmm. Not in the Church of Sardis. Nope, no, it did not. Nope, <laughs> they started off straight off with bad news. Yep, and that's how I know. Like, dang, this cannot be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's already starting off bad. I could just see it. I can just imagine like you're reading it, smile on your face, and it just slowly goes down. Like, right. Oh, this is uh, right. Jesus is not approved. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> but um, you want to dive into scripture? Let's yeah, get this go thing ahead. going. Um, the starting in verse one. It's just a good reminder. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So this is referencing back to Revelation 1, where yeah, it said that Jesus held seven uh, stars in his hand. And this is just the seven churches, mm-hmm. as in he is holding on to the seven churches. Mm-hmm. He is fully in control. And that's the thing that they have to remember. Um, as we continue on, there's more context of why they need to remember that Jesus is a person who's holding them, and you have to remember that he is uh, the one who's holding the churches and protecting the churches and caring for them. Do you have anything for that verse one? 
No, uh, that was, and everything you said is true um, about the seven stars and about the seven um, seven spirits. Seven spirits. Um, we we I think we probably briefly spoke about on that what that means, and it's just the there are angels that are over these churches, mm-hmm. but it's also believed that these angels were with the pastors, and so they could be literally viewed as the the leaders of the church. So mm-hmm. the pastor of the church. Yeah, that's typically who leads a church. And then, of course, the seven stars are, um, yeah, they're the seven churches. Yep. And so you're looking at these different things and, and what, what do these mean? And, it, and it, all of it is, it's all numbers and it's all symbolism. Yeah. Um, and so you have to think, what does that even mean? Seven. You think about the number seven. Mm-hmm. God completed the earth in six days, but he rested on the seventh day. Yeah. So that's divine completion. And so there that number seven comes up again. Mm-hmm. Seven. There are seven stars, seven spirits, seven spirits of God. Do you know that some people believe that we're still in the seventh day? We're still in the seventh day because it says God rested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they believe that the eighth day will be the tribulation. Um, so people believe that we're in a continuing Sabbath in that way. I just thought it was fun to bring that That's up. That's interesting. Um, but then, never like, heard of that. <laughs> another thing, uh, I've heard uh, one part about like the seven spirits is like it can be like characteristics of like the Holy Spirit um, or something like that. Um, it, like it can pertain to the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I just thought that would be a nice little thing to bring up. But continuing on was verse one. I know your works, and you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I think we should just stop right there. <laughs> we should just stop That's right there. It's not very good. <laughs> Tell me right you, now. It's not very good. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, um, but you are dead. And it's like, what we, it's exactly what you preached on yesterday. This is like perfect timing. This is a God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know we are not saved by works. It is by grace alone. It is by mm-hmm. faith alone. But um, what we read in James is that uh, works has to be evident. Faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can have, I forgot what it was, but if you have all, you can have all the faith in the world, but if it, your life doesn't show the works that Jesus is doing in you and you continue to, and we're not talking about working like, um, go donating or going and like helping out the widows and the orphans. We're talking about like, uh, you don't go and do those things anymore. You don't, uh, partake in that sin. Um, you're working for the heavenly kingdom, uh, to grow the kingdom, which is our ultimate, um, which is our ultimate goal and what God has told us, mm-hmm. um, the great commission. Um, but if you like, like it says here, I know your works, like this church, which is one thing, whenever I was doing more research about it, like this church was very inclusive. Um, so, you know, just like the other cities, just like the other churches that it was talking about, uh, there's a lot of religions, a lot of other gods. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people worshiped other gods and this was under Roman, um, Roman, uh, the Romans conquered it. I, I can't find the correct word, but they took over. And, um, you know, the Romans, they worshiped many gods and it was okay to worship other gods as long as you didn't put them above these other ones. Um, but we know that's hard to do if you're a Christian, because what does Jesus say? I am the way I'm the truth and I'm the light. No one comes to the father except through me. And we know in the, first, uh, the 10 commandments, you will serve no other God, mm-hmm. um, but me, uh, you will love no other God, but me. But this church was very, very inclusive. Um, they kind of went about it in a peaceable way. They chose to be peaceful. Um, and I'm not talking about like, uh, they, they didn't go and start wars. That's why they're peaceful. They didn't go and, uh, you know, kill people. That's why they're uh, peaceful. They were just allowing other people around them um, to continue on uh, with their beliefs without telling them the good news that Jesus has given to them. Um, and we see that today as well. Uh, you know, people just want peace. 
People just want to be comfortable and they don't want to step out of their boundaries and tell this person, even fellow believers, like, hey, this is wrong. Like you were preaching about yesterday. Um, it's 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 a you do it in a righteous way. Um, you're not uh, judging someone, but you're holding them accountable, especially if they call themselves followers of Christ. But this church was not doing that. Whenever I was watching, uh, it's a it's a cool little YouTube video. Um, you know, they have a pulpit mm-hmm. and on the side of it was a Roman eagle. And it was supposed to be in this pulpit was supposed to be seen as a holy place. Mm-hmm. But. On the side of it was a Roman eagle, so they're they're trying to please the Roman uh, the Roman soldiers or the Roman go- government um, instead of standing firm in their foundation. Mm-hmm. Is that nothing else can be associated with Jesus but Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Nothing like no other government body, no other person, no other right. um, God or belief can be sitting with him because he is what is most important. But this is what this is where this church failed. Um, they were a thriving church actually, because, uh, like it says, I know your works and you have the reputation of being alive. Like this church was thriving, but really, uh, their works was dead because they, they kind of forgot the Holy spirit and what it has done in their lives. And we'll continue on and see that, but they forgot the main reason of, of why they're saved, the foundation, the firm foundation of their beliefs. And it was Jesus, um, that they forgot all that. But I'll, I'll, I'll shut up a little bit. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. One of the things that I was reading uh, was that this was, they were going through a, a reformation mm-hmm. of the entire church. And so with that, there was a lot of government, like, you, like you're saying, they were there to please the government. And mm-hmm. that's what it boiled down to. Yeah. So it, it ultimately became a church that was funded by the government, yeah, which sounds good and all in the beginning, right? Like, oh, hey, we don't ever have to worry about finances. We don't ever have to worry about uh, what's what's legal, what's illegal, because we know as long as we have the government on our side, mm-hmm. we're going to be in good standing, right? No, because that boiled down to instead of pleasing God, now we're trying to please our government. Yes. And so that's what it boiled down to. And that's where you saw the, the eagle to the side. They were literally doing, sneaking things, little hints and pieces here and there mm-hmm. that were saying, yes, we worship God, but under the Roman government authority. Yes. Right. And so that's completely wrong. Yeah. And, and we can't, you can't do that. And so that, that's part of what, what we saw there. And so kind of like what you were saying, um, about the the they were thriving as a church in, in terms of maybe they were active in the community. Yeah. Maybe they were they were this lavished church on the outside. Seats were getting filled up. Seats were getting filled up. The priest and the popes and whoever people that were there to actually run the show, they were probably, you know, they're probably dressed really nice. They mm-hmm. talked with elegance. But it was all for show. It, it wasn't true life. And when, and when Scripture talks about you have this reputation of being alive, but you are dead, yeah, he's talking about a spiritual death. As humans, mm-hmm. uh, as sinners, you are you are born into sin. Meaning, your destination, your only destination, is hell at that point. Yeah. Until you come to know Christ. Until you come to a, a part in your in a place in your in your life where you're like, Lord, I need you, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe that that everything you've done, you died for my sins, so that I can I can one day live in eternity with you. Amen. But if you don't ever have that moment, then you continue in being an unredeemed man. You continue in being an unsaved soul. And, and I think that's the scariest part because we, we did talk about that last night about wisdom yeah. mm-hmm. and we, and scripture talks about how there are these false prophets. There are these false teachers that rose up. They would speak with elegance and they would, um, they are, Jesus even mentions it, mentions it in scripture, how he says, some will come, come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not, you know, worship in your name? Did we not make, make, uh, perform miracles and mm-hmm. and do all these great signs and wonders. Yeah, and Jesus' response to them was, 
I never knew you depart from me. Mm. And I think that's a scary place to be. Yes. And that's exactly where, where Sardis is. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. And in, I know you kind of, you questioned me last week, so I got a question for you. Go ahead. Okay. So where do you think that this church or maybe that even the church today, like what do you think that we may be missing? Um, because we learned from Nathan about the population growth and the church mm-hmm. growth. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're missing like boldness, like boldness to share the gospel? Um, or even like we can think about how these people, they included other churches, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or other beliefs. They, they, they allowed um, other uh, religions to taint uh, Jesus's existence mm-hmm. and uh, his, how he's supposed to be looked at um, as the most high, the King of Kings. Um, do you think that maybe the church today, we're missing boldness to go out and we feel like we should choose peace over, um, over actually sharing the gospel, even though it may step on other people's toes. What do you think about that? Um, are you still referencing this? Or oh you, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that partially has something to do with it, but I also think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people and I'm, and again, I, I could be completely wrong on this. I think there's a lot of people who want to please someone else. Mm-hmm. And we're, I've noticed um, our country is leaning heavily towards beauty on the outside. Yeah. Like you look at every QT, every um, store, like every newer store, I'll, I'll say, they go for this really nice look on the outside. Uh, you could go to any new um, strip mall like in Owasso or in Broken Arrow. These are towns here uh, near around us. Yeah. Um, and they're big cities. They're, they're, they're bigger towns. Yeah. With, with how they have more money. But it's all about physical appearance on the outside. Yeah. And that's what they teach you in, in, in business school about marketing. It's all about physical appearance. I've got a business major right here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a lot to be said with that in church. Yeah. Because you see a lot of really nice churches. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of really big churches yeah. who have tons of land, who've got like X amount of resources, and it's like it's unlimited yes. for them. Like I, that one that TJ brought up in New York, they had, they had a bunch of money, but the they church had, was dead on the, the inside. Church was, the church was, yeah. They had, there were people that were leaving millions mm-hmm. to the church, yeah. but they, it was not being used in a godly way, in a righteous way. Yeah. It was all for just for personal gain. And yeah. so you see a lot of that, and I'm not bashing any one particular church, um, but I do think that can be, that could be part of Sardis's problem. Yeah. You're in a wealthy city. You're worried about not only pleasing the government, but pleasing the people mm-hmm. because you want them to keep coming back. Yeah. You want them to keep, you want to keep preaching and speaking to an audience. Yeah. And obviously if you have the biggest audience and there's a lot of bragging rights there, right? Yeah. But it, it should not be about that at all. Yeah. Jesus says if one or if, if two or more come together in my name, then it's all that matters. Yeah. Then there's the Holy Spirit with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you have 5,000 people in the audience or you just have two people in the audience. Yeah. But it's literally turned into this, a numbers game is really what it is. Somebody's got to pay the utilities. Somebody's got to keep the lights on. Something like, And I feel like that's kind of, I, once again, I'm not calling it out, but maybe that's where some of these churches like Sardis, like that's where they, they were. Um, like they were looking for more of that, like just for the attendance, maybe even that. But the thing that they were missing was that that stuff doesn't matter. Uh, like it doesn't matter um, how many, like how many people are filling up your seats or um, how much money you're getting from the government or uh, if you're going to die for your faith, if you're going to be a martyr because you're saying, no, we're not going to have this eagle. Um, we're not going to have this eagle right here. We're not going to have these other religions taint um, the church. Um, and just being bold like that. like that, I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like we've kind of lost our boldness. Like being able to stand firmly in the, our faith whenever it comes to 
you know, oh, whenever people bring up uh, like other religions or they're like, hey, you can do this. Um, and sometimes we're too afraid. It's like, oh, that's not biblical. I can't do that. Uh, or they bring up or they try to bring up uh, like a sin and they say, hey, you can try this out. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not bad. And you're in, and you go and do it. But, you know, biblically and, and looking towards Jesus, like, hey, that's not right. I should not be doing that. So I feel like the, the thing that this church was missing was being bold and just standing up for their faith, even if it meant that they're going to lose their funding, even if it meant that they're going to be possibly killed. Because right. if they were to proclaim that Jesus was above these other gods in which they're supposed to, they were going to be persecuted right. uh, by Rome. They were going to be persecuted by the other people, uh, the other uh, people who practice their other religions around them. Uh, but that's how Jesus is. He's, he's different. Uh, he's not like any other. Uh, he, once again, he's the king, the king of kings. He's the foundation of this earth. He's the alpha and the omega, and we have to treat him as such. Absolutely. We cannot keep him uh, on the same pedestal as these other uh, things, as these other uh, even uh, objects or uh, things we're chasing, because he has to be above it all. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I can continue on. Yeah, let's um, go ahead. Uh, in verse two, wake up. Uh, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Rem- Do you want me to continue in verse three? Yep, go ahead. Okay. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. So once again, we see Jesus. He's offering repentance to them. He's telling them to wake up. Uh, and we see that in, um, I forgot, uh, no, it's actually the parable. Like I can, I can remember, I can kind of like piece together the prodigal son whenever he wakes up or he realizes, man, I'm eating, I'm eating slop with these pigs in which I see is unclean. I have to go back to my father. Uh, he's telling them to wake up from their spiritual slumber, um, and TJ walks through with us of like five things to do when you feel like you're spiritually dead, in which um, we see here in uh, chapter three. And first of all, it is to wake up and realize where you are, uh, to realize how really far, how far away you feel you are, you are from the Lord and where you're at. And then to strengthen what is there. Um, you know, we feel like we have strengths and um, we feel like we're weaker in some things, but whenever we walk away from the faith or we start to stray away, we, we feel like we're not in touch with those things anymore. Um, but we're, what we're supposed to do is get back into it, you know, just get back into it, get back with God mm-hmm. uh, and get back with Jesus. But, I think what's amazing uh, is even though I mentioned that this letter started off with bad news, there's some hope there. And I think that's what's beautiful about Jesus because you could be on your last leg. Mm-hmm. You could be you could be at the very bottom of the barrel. Yep. And you've just been hit by all kinds of trains. And Jesus shows a little bit of hope in this letter. Yes. Because he says, wake up and strengthen what remains. He obviously sees something there. Yes. He sees that, that you're, even though the church is, is dead... But later on, he's going to mention that there are some who are not walking in, in wickedness, that there, there are some who have not, quote-unquote, soiled their pants. Mm-hmm. And, and so he sees a little bit of hope there. And so, so there's got to be something there. And he says, strengthen that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel like, man, that, if that's not like an underdog type of like movie or an underdog type of like song... Like that, that's it right there because he's talking about, man, yes, you're failing, but I need you to realize something. I need you to realize that just turn around, repent, and strengthen what remains. If you just do that, then you'll get right back on track where you need to be. Yeah. And I, I mean, we know this, the ultimate story of, of how Sardis ends. Yeah. Um, but he's talking also about something else here. He says, um, I've not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Yeah. So now he's talking about their, their worship. Yeah. 
and, and their and their acts of in their deeds and and how they're living out their life. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Yes. And 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 I think we've kind of covered that already because there's obviously you have the Roman Empire who's in in intruded on on God's worship, on God's you know temple. Yeah. And you have the Roman Empire trying to overthrow God's kingdom. And we talked a little bit about how Satan can use uh, government to overthrow God's kingdom, how uh, how we saw that in Job, mm-hmm. how it said that he somehow um, was able to get a whole nation or a whole army and turn against Job. Mm-hmm. And that was, well, that was Satan that did that. Yeah. Um, and so we see here that the same thing, same scenario. But of course, Jesus has the same mindset. Yeah. You should be willing to lose it all for my name's sake. Amen. And, and it talks about that in the book of Acts, how uh, there were some of the apostles, they were being persecuted. Um, the reason I know this, I think it was because Nathan spoke on it, and I recently read it. And it talks about how they counted it as joy. Yes that they were counted worthy to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Amen. And if you could get to that point and just stay there for the rest of your life, no matter how much wealth you create, no matter how many people are in the audience, Mm -hmm. no matter if you're obeying your government's rules or laws, like if your main priority was to be counted worthy as someone to, to experience persecution for Jesus and stay there forever, then you would have no worries. You would probably be seen as the church. Um, I can't remember what church it was. You'd be seen as the church who received a letter from Jesus that says, basically, keep doing what you're doing. Yes. And and just he's just applauding them. Mm-hmm. That's where I would want to be. Yeah. I, I mean, we can also think, like, truly... What compared to eternity and what your eternity can turn into, what does this like what can happen in this life that is worse than that? You know what I mean? Uh, like we're called like like you said, we're called to follow Jesus um, no matter what. Mm-hmm. once once you receive him into your heart, we're called to share the gospel, share his name. Um, and we're gonna go back to this. remember, uh, Remember what you received and heard is to remember your salvation and remember what saved you. And that what mm-hmm. is Jesus, that is what saved you. Um, and to fully live it out and to really seriously count it all joy when you are persecuted. And we had a great, a great um, Chad. Chad was here and he says, you may not be doing anything right if the, if the devil's not persecuting you. Right, <laughs> that yeah. great quote, and it, it's true. I mean, if you're not, if you feel like you're comfortable, and you feel like you're just going through your everyday life, um, and you can go a day without talking to somebody or bringing up Jesus in a way, like, man, this is the guy. This is the not a guy. This is the God who saved you. This is. Uh, the person who has risen you up and who has given you uh, redemption and, uh, and he defeated death for you. Uh, and it's just actually just being, once again, bold. It's, I don't know, bold is just coming up to me mm-hmm. in this. It's just because when you're bold, you will stand up for what you believe in. Um, and a lot of people are strong, strong in politics. But then whenever somebody talks about uh, something that is maybe against Jesus or a coworker brings up something against Jesus, like, oh, he's a phony, sometimes we stay quiet. Mm-hmm. And if somebody brings up, oh, we're going to take away your guns, ooh, we, stay, we, get up on, we get on Facebook and we right. type things out. But whenever there is an attack on Jesus, sometimes we stand silent. So you're just saying... We get really loud and boisterous. For the wrong things. For the wrong things. For the wrong things. Like, hey, yeah. like, once again, this life is momentary. We have no idea when we're going to go. And we, we're going to see here. Um, 
I'm going to kind of continue on. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Jesus is literally saying, you will never know when I'm going to come. Uh, whenever you feel like you expect it, nope, I will come whenever I feel like it and you won't expect it. Yeah. And one thing, going back to the research, is Jesus was kind of like, so the history of Sardis, he was kind of connecting with the history. Um, so Sardis was built on this hill and there was like a great fortress. Nobody can get to it. And whenever armies try to come and get it, try to get into it and attack it, they could not do it. But um, what happened one day, uh, there is, I think, I forgot what uh, city or town or king it was I was attacking them. They could not get in, so they just um, surrounded the city. Um, and they were just watching. And a guard, <laughs> this is crazy, uh, and this is historical, what, how they figured out how to get in. Is there was a secret way into the city. And how they figured it out was a guard dropped his helmet over the wall. So they watched him walk down these steps and go through a secret door. And they are like, oh, that's how we can get in. So they went on the other side, made commotion. And the other, and on the back side, uh, like maybe I think it said like the special uh, guards or something like that or army of their, of their army went in and they conquered the city that way. So literally these people there were looking at this other thing, but they did not see the army literally coming from behind them because they were too focused on these other things. And that's where we can get in trouble. Like, yes, life sucks. Like, yes, so like we're going to be distracted by a lot of things, by work, by money, by, um, by hardships, by, uh, you know, injury or sickness and those things. But whenever we know that even if it comes to death, we've won. We've know that our, we, we know our God that holds his seven churches um, that has mm-hmm. defeated death is that he's already won and nothing, literally nothing worse can happen. The absolute worst that can happen to you is you being damned to hell. Mm-hmm. And that's how we should look at it. Right? Absolutely. And it, yeah. That's the scary part about it all because he's talking about a dead church and then he's talking about waking up and then he's talking about remembering what you heard and, and keeping what you heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's using all these all these strange words that we that to the normal person probably wouldn't make sense. But he's talking about a spiritual death here, about a place where a real place called hell that you could possibly spend, and you're going to spend if you don't wake up. Meaning, if you don't repent of what you're doing, if you don't, like you said, be bold enough. To say, okay, I'm done being dictated by whatever it is that's in my life mm-hmm. that's that's causing God to be second in my life. Yeah, like I don't live by any other standards. I don't live by any other authority other than God. Amen. He's the only standard I live for, mm-hmm. and so Christ is literally saying, "Wake up spiritually. Wake up. Like repent of your sins. Turn away." And, I mean, he's spelling it out for this church. <laughs> yeah, literally. And, and I just, I, I really feel bad for this church because um, it sounds like they have everything that they need. Uh, you think about small churches in, in Little Town Inola, like the porch. Think about small churches out, out in Ulaga at Harbor Church. Mm-hmm. You, you just think of really small places like that. Really small towns. And then you could have a really big city and a really big church, mm-hmm. but it's completely dead yes. spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's just so sad to think about. Yes. That there's more life in a small church here in Inola than there is in a big church, in a mega church. Amen. In any big city. Yeah. It's sad to think about. Um, but this is what Christ is warning them about. Um, you kept you, so you were reading on. If not, I will come like a thief in the night. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yep. Yet, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not sold their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Again, and I mentioned this before. I think in every church you're gonna have, you're gonna have just that person who. Man, they know scripture. Yes. They cling to God like it's their lifeline, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that at Falls Creek. Yeah. Their lifeline. That's their lifeline. 
And Jesus acknowledges them. And I think that's what's so amazing about the God that we serve. Because, yes, he's about to bring judgment upon this whole church, but he acknowledges those that are truly worshiping him. Amen. And he's offering reward to them. So they will they will be worthy. They will walk with me in white, meaning they will walk with him in heaven. Yeah. Because where there are, what white represents purity, perfection, mm-hmm. is and it's just not, something that's not stained by something else. Amen. And so you look at that and you read it, and and Christ is literally talking about walking with Him in heaven, mm-hmm. walking with God in heaven, living in the midst of God in eternity. And I think there's just there's a lot of praise there. Yes. Because we we know people like Nathan Shank who is a missionary in Nepal, and he's left everything. Yep. Both, I'm sure both of his parents were still here if they're still alive. He's married. I'm sure her parents are still here if they're alive. Mm-hmm. And, and they might have siblings. And so to leave all that and, and to be exposed to a country that you probably don't know their language. Yeah. You don't know their culture. You don't know... Uh, it's just a completely different environment. Yes, and to go and do that for for in the name of Jesus and go out and plant churches. Yeah, and, and spread the gospel. It's a beautiful thing, and there's reward in that because I guarantee they were called to Nepal for a reason. Yes, and there are probably many people, just like there are many people here in the U.S. who are non-believers, yet. God, yet Jesus still acknowledges us. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Amen. You know, yeah. righteousness will fall. What is, what is it I'm thinking of? Righteousness will, will fall on uh, righteous and unrighteous. Um, God has grace over everybody. Um, and we see that, uh, you know, just because you're a non-believer doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, you're going to get sick out of nowhere, this or that. Right. Um, God has mercy for everybody. Right. Um, and he's calling for you and he's waiting for you. And it, I love like what you're saying, just that, that personal, uh, like literally knowing the people who are clean or as it says, they did not soil their garments right. as in, um, they weren't tainted with these other practices. Like these people were truly worshiping God as they mm-hmm. were. And he's like, these people will walk with me uh, in uh, groves of white in heaven. They will walk with me and I will not blot their name out. I will confess them mm-hmm. in front of my father. Whenever you were talking about um, whenever they get to the heavenly gates and uh, these people, they were confessing and saying that, hey, I was preaching your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And whenever Jesus says, if you uh, don't uh, cl- proclaim me to these other people, um, I will not claim you in front of my father. Yeah. He won't do that. So it, it's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It, it all says it by itself. I, yeah. I, I, you know, don't add to it. I ain't going to add anything <laughs> to it anymore. We're just going to end it right there. Yeah. Boom. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, continuing on. Um, it talks about, in, in verse 5, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I, and I will never blot his name out of the, of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. So there's one thing in there that I want to talk about. Yep. Because you kind of talked about the garments um, God acknowledges not only those that have continued on in the faith, but he acknowledges those who had a rough beginning. And it's like, okay, I've messed up all these years. I've been, I've been twisted all kinds of sideways. Mm-hmm. And so he acknowledges that it, even if they repent and if they turn away, then, then they will also too, they'll be clothed in white garments. Yes. Um, but he mentions next, I will not, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. That's where, what, what is a book's purpose? Yeah. What is it? What is it? What is any book's purpose? It's to hold information. Mm-hmm. It, it's to hold documentation 
for anything, whether it's your personal notes, whether it's a historical account like the Bible, uh, well, not just a historical account, but it's like living and breathing like the yes. Bible. Um, but, but this book of life is something completely different because this is where every soul, every, every person who has ever walked the face of the earth, their names are written down somewhere. Their names mm-hmm. are, they will be, God's going to go through and filter out, okay, wh- who is this person? He knows them already, mm-hmm. right? But this is God writing their names down. Yes. But, he, but Jesus is saying he will, he will never blot out the names of those who continue on in the faith, Amen. who repent, uh, those who are genuine about their faith, he says he'll never blot their names out of the book of life. Amen. And so we know that non-believers, their names are going to be blotted out. And I pray for all those souls because that's a that's a very scary place to be. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the believers who, who Scripture calls it the Lamb's book of life. Mm-hmm. Those are all the souls that will one day get to walk and be with Jesus and be that, with God. That'll be a glorious day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's just amazing that God knows us by name. Yes. Amen. And our names are written down somewhere. Amen. And one thing, just to kind of touch base whenever you're saying, like, um, even to non-believers and believers, like, if you are, if you're a non-believer um, and you're listening to this, you don't believe in Jesus, um, and you're going through a hard time, uh, I can just tell you to try him out. Read the Gospels. And Jesus literally says, Come to me all who are weary. My burden is light. Mm-hmm. And my yoke, I mean, just totally just butchered that. But Jesus is calling your name. He's calling you. You, you know, whenever you feel those heartstrings are tugging at you, like, man, I'm on my last leg. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And Jesus is standing right next to you mm-hmm. and saying, I've been right here all along. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for you. Come and come with me and repent and you will walk with me in heaven. Come to me and I won't blot out your name. Mm-hmm. Come to me and he loves you. And it, it's all in the gospels. Mm-hmm. Just read the gospels. And What I love the most about um, testimonies is you get to learn a lot about someone's background. Yeah. And sometimes people's testimonies could be five minutes or it could be 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, I've always been taught to give a testimony in like, what, two minutes or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) But the best thing about testimonies is you get to see where someone was. Yes. And you get to see who they are now after Christ. Amen. And there have been so many people that I've met that... Yes, they might not be the most perfect person, but when it comes to when it comes to what's the most important thing in their life, it's Christ. Amen. And they've lost it all, whether it was drugs, whether they lost their family, whether they lost it to alcohol, whether they, they lost their job and it was just a continuing down, downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot there's a lot of burden out in this world. Yes. Or it's sickness or disease. You think about all the homeless people that are out in the streets. It's because of some sort of either mental illness mm-hmm. um, or something really traumatic happened to them. Uh, you think about all those things, but but in in Scripture you see where not only does Jesus heal the sick and the paralyzed and they're completely transformed, but you see that even in today because you take someone who who you thought you saw the other day, you know, as we're talking about QT a second ago, yeah, on the side of QT asking for some change just so he can get maybe a cigarette or something. But then that same guy, you see that same guy Mm -hmm. who's preaching the gospel. You see that same woman who's professing the gospel and they don't care what they look like. They don't care where they are. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing on their mind. It, are their personal needs? Yes. The first thing on their mind, and this is going back to what Nathan Shank said to you: What's the most important thing in the next ten minutes? Mm-hmm. And that's Christ. Amen. That should be Christ. Amen. So all those that that were thinking about that question, what's the most important thing that could happen to you in the next ten minutes? 
That's how we should live our life. Yes. Preach it, baby. One last thing, I promise. It's just those, those testimonies we're talking about, they're so powerful because like you were saying, they tell you where they were, but then they tell you where they were and you're like, man, I could never see you like that. Like I could never have guessed that you went right. through something like that. It's because Jesus is living in their hearts. Like literally they are being the light. The darkness that used to consume them is being blotted out by the light. And it's just, it's powerful. Testimonies are so powerful. That's mm-hmm. how we connect with people. And we're like, I never guess you did went through that or you did that stuff. But seeing how Jesus has changed your life, it's mm-hmm. special. Absolutely. It, it is special. That's all I got. Yeah, that's it, baby. That's it. <laughs> well, you guys know what to do. Yeah. Like, share, comment. Share this with someone who needs it. Ring the bells. We talked about we talked about being bold, being bold in your faith. Uh, share this with someone who needs to hear this. Yeah. Uh, going through Revelation, this is such a, an intimate time um, to share the gospel with somebody because it it's talking directly to sinful people who are living, who are living like in the wrong, basically. Yes. But Christ offers repentance. He offers um, grace and mercy. Amen. And so someone needs to hear this. Yes. So like and share. Leave comments. Uh, you guys have our numbers. If you don't, go to the Inola Porch uh, website mm-hmm. and, and get our contact info and reach out to us. Yeah. If you guys have questions, if you, if you maybe have a book or an article or maybe there's a message out there that you want us to hear, Mm-hmm. Send it our way. We'll take a look at it. I'll read it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read the first two paragraphs. Um, but we thank you guys for, for listening. Yes. Okay. I'll talk to you next week. God bless. God bless.